Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the wind and refresh. Come as the fire and burn. Convict. Thank you. Convict and control until we are wholly thine. Amen. Well, it's, you know, it, it's such a nice day. The, coo- the air is cool. It would be a great day for a nice long run. Are there any races going on in town that you've heard of? Uh, it, it's so much more comfortable standing right here than it is to be out there on Memorial Drive trying to make your way to Discovery Green. But we have uh, people in the congregation that have run this morning on this fine day. And our own John Kenner finished the half marathon a while back. And uh, congrats to him. It's really nice. You know, our, uh, our Christian life is uh, kind of like a, a run. It's a pilgrimage. It's a movement. And one of the aspects of the Christian life is the concept of our calling. Now, that's a, big, that's a big concept. I don't know if you've done a lot of thinking about this, but every person who is in Christ is somebody that has been called by Christ into the divine life. And this is big. Now, we get all kinds of calls during our life. Every day of the week, you get calls of different kinds phone calls and texts and emails, somebody just hailing you, uh, passing by, and they get your attention because they know your name and they stop you and they, they call to you. The calling that we receive from God is the call from the one. And it is significant. Into that call, everything else that happens to us in our life, is just in the context of it. It's a big notion, and it's all the way through Scripture, and it really is at play in every Eucharist that we do. We think of ourselves as called to Christ. Every Eucharist is a reminder of our own baptism. There's a baptismal element of every communion service. It's one of the ways that we live out that sacrament of baptism every day of our lives. Week by week, we come around the altar and we realize whose we are. And in realizing to whom we belong, we realize something about who we are. We discover a vocation. Now, there's the big idea of calling that applies to every one of us. But each of you is a unique individual. And so each person here has their own specific calling because you're all differently gifted and you all have access to different aspects of this life, this world, and the human community. So everybody here is important. In the season after the day of Epiphany, we realize that we're on a mission. That that the Epiphany is something about 
Jesus having been manifested as the chosen one, the one who reveals God to humanity. Last week we heard about how the Christmas mystery breaks down into further elements. We heard about how there is the incarnation that God has become one, has been made flesh and is one with us. About the epiphany, that is, that Christ is manifested to all the world. Representatives from all nations came alongside Jesus to offer him gifts. And the star cosmically led them to that place. But not only is it the incarnation and the epiphany, we heard about the baptism of our Lord, which was a theophany. We learned how God's shining happened there. God's showing happened there as well. The voice from heaven declared, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. We're invited to listen to that one who is the Son of God. The heavens themselves, in a star and in a voice from heaven, indicated the identity of this one Jesus. Now, on this second Sunday after the Epiphany, the human community gets caught up in the idea of identifying Christ, showing who He is. We have in the Gospel today two key figures and they both make a testament of who Jesus is. I'm speaking about John the Baptist. And I'm speaking about Andrew. One of the first to go aside and begin to follow Jesus. And in the case of each one of them, there's something about their having met Jesus, having made eye contact with Jesus that brought them into a kind of a revelation. And then it was so strong that they, in fact, wanted to bring others into it, wanted to tell others. The way John records the baptism is that he sees Jesus coming toward him. I can almost imagine that he makes eye contact with Jesus, that their eye beams twist as he's coming toward him. And he declares, I think out of revelation, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. This is the one who is before me because before I ever existed, this one was. Now, I, I didn't think I ever think of this until last week when Father Bates was preaching. He, he said something like, uh, you know, Jesus might not have ever really known his cousin, Jesus. Their, their moms were cousins, Elizabeth and Mary. And I'd never thought about that, but here it is in John. John says, I myself did not know him, 
But I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. Isn't that something? And he says it again. I did not know him, but everything I'm about and all that I have been doing is fulfilled in this one. There was something about that encounter with Jesus that revealed that he is at the center of everything that John is about. And John has already been involved in an amazing ministry. I mean, people were coming out to him from Jerusalem and from the broader Judea to the river to be baptized by him, a baptism of repentance. He had captivated the attention and the interest of the communities all around, people seeking something, people looking for something. And they came to this odd character. And he was that busy with his work. And yet when he saw Jesus, the scope and the nature and the purpose of his work already underway in a huge way, was reformed. This is the one for whom I am operating. And his pointing to Jesus in this way was so extreme that people who had been following him, two of his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, began to say, well, we need to go follow this Lamb of God. One of them was named Andrew. We can look at Andrew almost as the first apostle to follow. The other unnamed one might have been another apostle. But Andrew is named. And they start following Jesus, literally following him. And then Jesus turns around and he looks at them. It says he looks at them. Now again, this eye-to-eye contact. And he says to them, What are you looking for? And they answer his question with a question, Rabbi, where are you staying? It's like in an instant of a glance, when their eyes meet, they want to be where he is. And he does not discourage them. On the contrary, he says, come and see. Now, all of those phrases we can easily elevate to extremes. What are you looking for? Where are you staying? Come and see. That's really what we're all going through. We're all looking for something. We all want to know where Jesus is so that we can be there too. And we would love to hear from Jesus the words, Come and see. So both John and then later Andrew testify to Jesus. Why do I say Andrew? Well, we we have already heard the story. The sun had not even set that day. They spent all day with Jesus. But about four o'clock in the afternoon, Andrew goes and gets his brother, Simon Peter. And what does he say? He says, we 
have found the Messiah. We've found the Anointed One. And he brings Simon to Jesus. And then Jesus looked at Simon. Again, the contact. And he says, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, that is, Peter. Now, in religious tradition, in all spiritual forms, certainly in the Old and New Testament, a renaming is a significant spiritual movement into a whole new role, into a whole new task. And so now Simon Peter is involved. We have generations of of coming on board with Jesus right in the mix. We have John the Baptist telling his disciples. And so a new generation is born. After John is convinced, his disciples are convinced, they start to tell others, and then they are convinced. Do you see what's happened here? A pebble goes in the water and the ripples move outward. People are discovering. It is being manifest of just who Jesus is and it's making a difference. Now I want to suggest that all of us are undergoing this process. It's not necessarily sequential, but it's a process that's always going on all the time with us. We were called before we even had awareness of being called. The prophet that we heard from Isaiah speaks about having been called from the womb. Isaiah seems to be speaking both about himself as a servant of God and about the collective Israel as the servant of God. Before birth even, they were called. And they were formed, or they were enriched, they were polished. Isaiah said that the Lord uh, sharpened him as, as a sword, polished him as an arrow in the quiver of God. There's a process of enrichment, of forming, of cultivation, of giftedness. If we were to bounce into Paul's words to the Corinthians, what kind of language does it take on? Paul talks about how people that are called into Christ are strengthened. It says they are enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among among you so that you, talking to the Corinthians and the New Testament speaking to you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you are both called... And you are cultivated. And then finally, you are commissioned. 
to particular tasks. And you'll find these things happening to you where it doesn't have to be dramatic, but where you are being used by God in the experiences of your life so that the ripples of God's revealing continue to move outward in your caring for others, in your identifying Jesus to others, in your encouragement of other people. You are called, you are cultivated with gifts of the Spirit, and you are commissioned into this amazing, ongoing, storytelling, transforming work of God in the world. You are going to find yourself to be one of those people to whom people recall, wow, this was somebody that helped me. You know, folks are forever, they're, they're getting on to, um, uh, to Ancestry.com and they're finding out where they came from in their, in their history. Or they're doing 23andMe and they're, they're taking a look genetically at who, what, what peoples they're related to. Well, you, it's different with your spiritual life. You don't need that. You look back through your life and you see the people that have moved you. I can think of just my ordained life and the, and the places uh, where I've been and the men and the women who have um, redirected, helped, taught, uh, urged, encouraged, polished, uh, just by the things they did and the things they said, and I bet you have those people too. Those people that have pointed you to the one who created genetic reality and the chromosomes that we get on 23andMe. The one who twisted DNA with all those codes in the first place and its people in your lives. I made a list of, uh, of seven holy women in the churches that I've served, and I thought, you know, I could have named many others, men and women, but seven names just popped up into my head as people that had helped to enrich and certainly here. And it, there are people in this room to whom I would point as folks that have helped. I would certainly point to Shirley Carlton as a woman of depth, as a woman of holiness and a joyful understanding of the delight that it is to be in the Lord. And these are the people, I'm saying to you, that you are called and cultivated and commissioned to work because you are that person to others in your life. And you will be. You will continue to be. We thank God for his calling.
And we thank God that we are to be used to point to the identity that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Messiah. Amen.